Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. How is everyone? What a morning. Aren't those kids gorgeous? Yeah, it's awesome. Isn't it nice having so many young families in our church? Yeah. And um, I've often been a part of communities where we have separate kind of services. We have our grow, our, our kids' church at the same time as church. And as soon as a kid comes into the room, it's like, whoa, it's so noisy. You can hear them. But um, that's not what we want in this church. We want a community church. So we love having children in this service, don't we, church? Absolutely. We love it. And uh, as young families, I'd like us to pray for young parents this morning as a church. And um, this, this week, my wife and I are building a house, which our mortgage broker once told us, don't ever do that. It's the most stressful experience you'll ever have. And I said, what do you know? And now I'm realizing, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> and uh, the electrician came this week to help us map out our plans. And he's kind of just going through everything. And you want lights in here? Yes. Yes, please. We'd like to see. Great. You want power in here? Yes. Okay, going through all the different points. And then he stops and he says, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, what? He said, I'm, I am excited for you guys. I just, I'm sorry if I don't seem that into it today. He says, I was up till 4 a.m. with my newborn. And I never know what to do in those moments. So I just be inappropriate as I always am. And I put my arm around him and said, man, you're awesome. <laughs> you're doing a great job. And it made me realize our children are a little older now, but pulled back into that moment where you are literally walking zombies for a good 10 years. But I want to just say that each and every one of you who bring your kids every single time we gather here are doing a phenomenal job. Absolutely. And if your children are in this room and they are noisy, we don't care. We're okay. I mean, Wayne Allen can be noisy too. And, and that's okay too, Wayne. We're okay with it. It's absolutely fine. So if you've got a young parent around you, maybe you've got children who are 30 and you still feel like a young parent. I just want you to put your hand on their shoulder. Maybe they're in front of you. And just pray for them. God would give them wisdom. They wouldn't be too hard on themselves. Give themselves a lot of grace and room. Lord, you see us in this moment, reaching out, praying for your blessing. God, I pray that you truly do help these families. I'm asking God, that you would fill their hearts with peace and joy right now. As parents, we all make mistakes. God, only you are the perfect father. So I ask in this moment to you just lift any heavy burden of shoulders, of expectations or things they've wished they've done different or any of that. We just ask that you just take that away. 
Give them strength. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus in this moment. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just celebrate all the young families in our church. We love you. Love having you here. I met a new family today and it's, it's awesome to have you with us. You're truly loved and welcome here. And Ange and Brody, you guys do phenomenal because you both have young bubbers. I'm not surprised all you prepared floated out of your mind. <laughs> You're such a gift to us as a church. You truly are, all of you. you. You are just wonderful people and we are blessed to have you. Can we thank our worship team? Go and sit down, have a rest. Go and have a smoke out the back if you need to and we'll see you when you, when you come back out. You know, when our pastor first started... Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I just, just, I'm joking, by the way. But, but um, I remember Pastor Phil used to tell us that who started our movement. When they first started the church, they had no one. So times they'd have worship and they're like, they'd just hire musicians to come and sing worship songs because they needed to get started. And midway, they'd finish their set and then they'd be out the back smoking and the people coming to church going, what is going on here? It was interesting. Anyway, pretty funny. God's good. All the time. I'm loving this um, new series. We're in the thrill of hope. And um, hope is such an important essence of our understanding of what Christ has done for us. Um, and, and, and really important in how we align our heart and desire towards God so that he can be a consistent thing that fulfills the hopes in our lives. Um, it's a very... Uh, as a pastor, a really hard moment and also a really sad moment when, when I pastor people who have Christ, but in their heart, they're lacking hope. And there's this disconnect that I hope today and over the, the coming weeks, and thank you, Christy, for your wonderful message last week, that, that we can take these times to reflect. Um, a lot of churches do this through a thing called Advent. And, and if I can say, this is kind of our version of Advent, this, this lean into this, this moment so that we can realign our hearts with the hope that we have in Jesus. And so I'm actually going to start with a couple of scriptures, so, but I'm going to pull the Roman scripture and the proverb up the top just for now, and then, and then we'll get back into it later. But if we can read these two verses together... Um, Pawanti shared this in our prayer meeting this morning, which is always encouraging when we're all on the same page. Um, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's really important things here. Now may the God of hope, He is a God of hope, and He is a constant perpetual source of hope for us. And we can have access to that hope as you believe. So hope and faith, they, they, they work hand in hand. If you don't have hope, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have faith, just so you know. We can be too absolute about these things. Humanity and our makeup is complex. 
But what we can see is that there is this kind of reorientation, this kind of navigation set in us that we can start to move back towards this place of hope as we find hope in Him. And as we do that, He'll fill us with joy and peace. So that then we can overflow with hope. We can be, as Ange said, these these messages of living hope to the people around us by the power of your energy. Nope. By the power of the Christmas Spirit. No, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can overflow with hope. Now, I want to look at this verse in Proverbs 13, 12. says this, hope delayed makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And what I hope for us to be able to do here today is that we can remind ourselves that we live in an interesting time. As we reflect on the birth of Jesus, we're pulled into the story of that, the hope that they had for the coming Messiah in a very real way because we are in a season that theologians like to call the now but not yet. We live in a time where Christ has been revealed. The hope of the world has come, yet He died and was resurrected and now has ascended and has promised to come back. So in many ways, we live in this essence of leaning in, this anticipation, this thrill of hope in our heart. But at the same time, our desires have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So we don't live with our kind of sense of hope and we're, no, no, we have this perpetual hope within us as we centre ourselves again in Christ, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. And we've been looking um, at the Gospel of Luke as, as a team and, and the way that we shaped this series, and, and I was particularly caught by some of the prayers in the first two chapters and prophecies and praises that come out of these characters as God begins to do this miraculous work in their lives and as hope begins to stir. And today I want to look uh, at uh, two characters of Elizabeth and Zechariah and the hope that came to them in the, the promise of their own son, John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus. So Luke is a great gospel. And, and the beginning of Luke's gospel really sets this scene of anticipation. It really is being written for people to settle their hope in the reality of what God has done in, in, in Christ. And so Luke gives it away. Sometimes you're kind of like, I wonder why these authors wrote this. Luke's very clear. He's writing to Theophilus. He's like, I'm writing these things to give you a very ordered account so that you can be fully aware of what Jesus has done, so that you can have confidence. Now, we sometimes forget, we take for granted the Bible we have and the Scriptures we have. This was written most likely 60-odd years after Jesus has gone. So for 60 years, this community of faith around the world as it's spreading, are trying to formulate who they are and and what they believe. And then all of a sudden, there's all this persecution happening and and they're giving up literally their lives often to follow this way. And they're kind of like, I'm kind of hoping that I'm banking on the right horse here. Like I'm really, I've kind of gone all in. 
And so he's like, I'm going to write this so you're fully confident and aware. So immediately at the beginning of his gospel, he is trying to bring hope into this new community. And like the gospel of Matthew and Mark, the story has its beginning in the hope of a Messiah King who would come and rescue Israel, both from the failed line of King Herod and the self-imposed rule of the Roman Empire. Yet he distinctively commences his narrative, unlike the other Gospels, by introducing the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, who was destined to be the herald, announcing the arrival of the King. And so we find in Luke five, uh, sorry, Luke one five to seven, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. So we're immediately presented this challenge, this issue within this couple's lives of deep desire and want. What's interesting to me is what's highlighted and emphasised in Luke's gospel for us to notice. First of all, that there is this real fight to hope. So there's this anticipation, this long-awaited desire of, of, of the Messiah to come. This, this, there's been 400 years between the book of Malachi, between the end of the old covenant and the promise of this Messiah and this, these people of God have been faithfully waiting and there's been a lot of corruption come in and, and King Herod trying to rule in his way and they're looking and then the Roman Empire has come and all of these civilizations and movements and changes and in the midst of it, they're holding on to this story that the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And so they're leaning into this anticipation and at the same time, this couple have this deep need in their life, this deep desire in their life. They were barren and they were along in years. And they had all of this going on in their life, yet they were really good people. In fact, they were blameless. So immediately another thing is highlighted for us. Sometimes we can find ourselves in incredibly hopeless situations and we put ourselves there. We made a mistake. We did something that kind of like we knew we shouldn't have and now we find ourselves in this situation. But often in times you find you're doing all the right things. You're praying, seeking God and you can find yourself in this situation that seems hopeless. And so immediately what this gospel gives us is hope because good news comes. Irrespective of how we find ourselves in the situations in life, there is hope in Jesus. And so an angel comes and visits him, which is an interesting story in itself. I won't go through it for time's sake. I encourage you when you go home, you can read through this, but he's going in and he's ministering. This is like a monumental time. Most commentators say that for the priests to be given this duty, he, he's going into an area of the temple called the Holy of Holies. He's lighting these candles. He's getting them. Ready. Most believe that the priest gets to do this once in his life. 
There's so many of them and they share these duties. So this is the big moment he's been preparing his whole life for and he's going in to light and all of a sudden there's an angel. And he says, the angel says to him that he's going to have a son, not just any son, a son that will be the Herod for the Messiah. And I can resonate with this man, Zechariah, because I have found in my life, some of you are half glass full people. Others, you are half glass empty. Is that right? I'm, there is no glass. And there's water going everywhere. And it's terrible. And so I can resonate with how he responds. He responds in doubt. He says, how is this even going to be possible? And the angel says to him, it will be possible, but because you didn't believe, you're going to be silent. You can't talk. I'm going I'm to shut you up. Now, what's important for us to recognize is that we don't apply these truths to everything in our lives. Okay, there's a highly contextual thing going on. And what we don't do in situations where we feel hopeless is just be quiet or if you've got nothing positive to say, don't talk. Like we believe in voodoo or witchcraft or something. Like if we say the wrong thing, maybe we'll, oh no, we brought it on ourselves. No, that's not what we do. But the difference between him and Mary when the angel came to Mary, she also said, how is this possible? But then she said, yet, Lord, your will be done. Amen. So the, the whole pattern of Psalms, if you read them, they're filled with some, a lot of complaining. Like I thought I could complain. They're good at it. Like, Lord, where are you? you, you you're failing in your job. There's people around and they really get it out. And sometimes you just got to get it out. You've got to talk about the stuff in your life that is not going well. And you're going to God and particularly to God in this and you can just have a good old rant to God about everything that's not working. Relationships, business, problems in your world. But the pattern of the Psalms encourages us because we go from that place in prayer and then we go, but yet I trust you. I have found consistently in my life, my words can have a powerful impact on the way that I see something in my world, particularly with a perspective of hope. So go ahead, get frustrated, get upset, but do not lose your trust in God. And as you begin to confess that over your life, your trust in the God of hope, You'll be lifted. So, life continues. He can't talk. I kind of like that if I was honest. Um, <laughs> oh, you're so quick today. Yes, that's fantastic. Uh, I really walked into that. Um, his wife becomes pregnant, as does Mary, her cousin. Eventually, Elizabeth gives birth. His speech is restored, and he begins to praise, and he begins to prophesy. And this is one of the prayers that, that is found in these first few chapters that really speak of the hope found in a Messiah. It's found in verse 67 to 79 of chapter 1. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. 
He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the clutches of those who hate us, he has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, he has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from our enemies' clutches to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in the presence of all our days. And child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What a beautiful prayer. And this prayer captures the essence of Israel's hope. A people reflecting on God's past deeds while anticipating his ongoing work. Now the long-awaited hope of Zechariah and Elizabeth is fulfilled. And with the birth of Jesus, simultaneously, the whole world's hope and longing is being realized. It's good news. Yet, as the hope of Israel arrives in the coming of Jesus, the Gospels uncover a tension surrounding this hope. With the revelation of Christ, the presence of the Antichrist also emerges, actively working to disrupt. And the scenario sets the stage of a battle of hope. Jesus is born, the hope of the world, and immediately Herod tries to come and kill him. He begins to minister into the world. Wherever there is darkness, he brings light and healing, restoration. And many start to follow him, but at the same time, those that want to hold on to their own power begin to reject him. So hope is coming, but there is a battle against the hope. And they continue to reject him and criticize him until they trial him as a rebel, crucify him and kill him. And the disciples who've gone all in said, he's the one we're putting our hope in. They are left without hope. But he's resurrected. Hope is renewed. Hope is restored. He's ascended. The church begins. The Holy Spirit falls. It's filled with power. They're going to change the world. God's kingdom has come. They're moving. But then persecution comes. Stephen is martyred. The church is scattered. The Apostle Paul is saved. The guy that was killing and condoning the death of Christians. He's back on our side. We're all good. It's going to be awesome. And we see this rhythm of hope renewed and and hope kind of put to test and, and then hope renewed and then hope kind of, oh no, come back and then hope. And this has been going on in the church all throughout history until it meets us in our own reality where we can live in seasons, where we can have this immense sense of hope, but this tension, the now but not yet. You know, the promises of God are yes and amen. I wish he would take 
a little bit quicker sometimes between the yes and the amen. So this is why Christmas and these moments are so important for us. It's very easy for us to be quickly pulled into the rhythm of the world. We live by the seasons. And the rhythms that the church has lived by for thousands of years can be quickly stolen and commercialized and we can lose the meaning. And we acknowledge it with funny, piffy sayings like, don't forget the reason for the season. But when did you last reflect on the reality of the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ to the point that you were so overwhelmed by it that you overflowed with hope, that you overflowed with joy and peace. You see, these moments in our lives where we can stop and reflect and position ourselves, where our hearts are opened, where it's not just some propositional truth, where we sing a carol. I mean, what? Lyrics. The thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. See, to have this in our life bubbling up, we, we need to again, like the Israelites did, pull ourselves back into the story and allow this hope to become a reality in our lives. Indeed, delayed hope makes the heart sick. But a fulfilled desire is a tree of life. Regular reflections on the hope we find in Christ's life, death, and resurrection cultivates a confidence within us because our longing for the desire of communion with God, which lives in the heart of every human being created in His image, has been fulfilled in Jesus. It's so true. A tree of life, it's like a desire fulfilled is like this living reality. Do you live with a sense of a desire fulfilled in your life? I know what it's like to live with desires unfulfilled. It's very normal. But do you have an overwhelming sense that irrespective of some of these desires yet to be fulfilled, the desire for your health, the desire for a relationship, the desire for a better job, the desire for a better house, the desire for a better car, the desire for more trees and presence under the tree, the desire for this and this, all these things may go unfulfilled, but do we have in our hearts the sense of the desire is fulfilled? Because of Jesus. And then are we looking to the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our hope, to fulfill us so that we can confidently wait in expectation for His return? The Apostle Paul said it like this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him, 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 Him. Not the things around Him, 
Not the things that look like him. Not the things that kind of remind you of him. Not the Christmas spirit that is kind of, no, him. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So to cultivate a living hope, we must engage in spiritual practices that regularly reconnect us with the reality of a desire fulfilled in Jesus. So I'm trying something this year. I'll let you know how it goes. I have a good track record of starting things and not finishing them, but I'm pretty confident I can do this one. We're going to practice Advent as a family. Last night, we lit our first candle. And every night, we will light a candle as a family and this week reflect around the hope that we find in Jesus. Because I'm sick of all the commercial rubbish that can so easily and so promises, doesn't it? It's got so much promise to it. I mean, it's getting earlier and earlier. I think it was July that the first decoration started happening, you know, because they're just trying to milk this for all. It's, they're just trying to resurrect this sign. It's not that. It's him. And so I want to center my family and my own heart and my mind around this regularly so that we have regular practices of coming back to him. Regular immersion in his word. Immersing yourself in the scriptures that provide a powerful reminder of God's faithfulness and the promise of his purposes. Reflecting and meditating on these truths with the Holy Spirit will strengthen your hope. The Bible is not some archaic propositional book. Just making statements about God. It's not just some religious artifact. It is a co-authored work between God and his people that comes alive when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. Prayer is a wellspring of renewed help where you can regularly communicate with God, presenting your needs and concerns, reaffirming your trust in him, practicing gratitude, listening for his guidance, reflecting on his word again, contemplating his love. When did you just last stop and remember how much he loves you? And he knows you better than you know yourself, and he still loves you. I mean, we love you as well, by the way. (laughs) Waiting in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I remember my pastor, Richard Forsyth, once said to me, I never start a day without first waiting on his presence. And I never end a day without reflecting on his presence. They all contribute to aligning our desires back to God and realizing that the desire is fulfilled in him. By the way, this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., prayer, every month, probably more regularly next year, we are going to pray. You're welcome to join us. Worship, engaging in worship. Through instrumentals, worship songs and psalms, this is essential for our daily life. You know what? If, you, if you're loving Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, you go ahead. You blare that thing. But make sure you leave room for carols, for hymns. Reflect on the lyrics. Let it fill your car and your home. 
And finally, fellowship. We're almost done, friends. You've been amazing. In the fellowship of the body, we are part of a community that finds its meaning in our reconciled life with God. We are literally hidden in Christ. The scripture says, in him we live, move, and have our sense of self. Christianity is not something that you add to your life. It's something that is your life. Eugene Peterson used to have a real issue with the term of lay pastor or lay minister because it creates, and we're trying to eradicate this in our church, this, this sense of I'm the man of God and I go to the mountain for you and then I come back and you go, yes, finally feed us quickly. You all are just as worthy, valued, loved, can hear from God than anyone. We, it's, not, it's not me and Jesus and you guys for the ride. As a community, we find our collective sense of self in Him. So life will get very busy next year. I promise you this. One thing I can promise you, irrespective of what people thought would happen out of COVID, life's going to get busier because we're just too good at it. So you have to prioritize in your world the things that you know are going to help you really do this journey well. And one of the greatest priorities you can make is community, fellowship, coming together, hanging out with one another, praying with each other, reminding, listening, two ears, one mouth, So that we can come again and again and again and again and reflect around who we are in Jesus. How our desires are fulfilled in him as we patiently wait for his return. So what are you going to do this week that's different? just want you to take a moment. You're a young parent, your children are wandering. That's okay, they can't go that far. You'll find them quickly. But you too, just engage in this moment. Maybe it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading the Word and praying every day. I've had a shocker this year. It's been hard. You found it hard to find a consistency in that space. Well, this is four weeks in the lead up to Christmas. Why don't you make this time a season where you are going to really do that? I have a morning, night, both. There are some wonderful apps that can help you in this. There's an app called Lectio 365. It'll take you through a passage, prayer that you can engage in. It's got nice keyboard music, which is always lovely, the background. 
can do it in the morning and in the night. It might be like what we're doing, just taking time as a family to sit and reflect around what God has done. But what's going to change for you in the coming weeks? Don't make it a thousand thing. Be real. Formulating or bringing about a new habit is hard. But what's one thing? Who maybe has something? Awesome. Who else? Awesome. Does anyone want to share? You don't have to, by the way. Yeah? What are you thinking? What's one thing? All he said to me was, first thing in the morning, say good morning to me. Wonderful. How powerful is that? Just acknowledging him. Good morning, Lord. And then, and then just wait for one minute. Like what Rhonda led us through. Just one minute, listen. And you'd be surprised what God will speak to you about. What else? It's another thing we can do. Bernie. How good is it to see Bernie walking tall and proud? What I've been learned to focus on while I was in the hospital. There's people that are worse off than they. Beautiful. Off them, I hope. So good. You know what? One of the most powerful, <laughs> like, you can go all out praying and seeking God and reading the Word and, 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 and live as a really good, devoted disciple and never reach someone. Sometimes God moves more powerfully and you just... Sharing a bag, giving a smile. What a beautiful thing. A daily practice, a rhythm of gratitude and, and love towards others. Does anyone else have anything to share? Okay. Yes. I was just going to say just to, for me and my heart this month ahead is just to linger longer in his word. Just really sit and rest. Don't rush through the schedule of reading for the day, which I've been doing. Just let it speak. That's awesome. It's good. So there's some ideas. If you've got nothing, it's okay. We learn from one another. So let me pray for you. Is that okay? You might want to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we're here. Do whatever you want to do. Speak to us about whatever you want to speak to us. We're listening.
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to overflow with hope as we realize our dreams and desires are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray then you would help us shape our desires towards that end. Lord, wherever we've been drifting, we're all like sheep, Lord. We go astray, but we pray that you would shepherd us back. Father, where we've allowed other things to become idols in our lives, where pursuits in this world, Lord, particularly we, we, we feel the strong pull of consumerism in this world. And we ask that you would help us be drawn back to you. Lord Jesus, we worship and elevate you as we look around us to all the things that seem impossible, that all the things we, we, we Lord, we are pulled into this hymn and we say, Christ is the Lord. As we watch the news and see all the things that look impossible, pray, Lord, I pray that we would be able to look to you and say, Christ is the Lord, that you are redeeming and renewing and you will one day make all things right. That we would live in a sense of perpetual hope in you and that we would not lose sight of our first love in you. I pray that as we go from here today, you would keep us, watch over our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would anoint and empower us to be messages of your love and hope that we would be light in this community around us. We would be salt. I pray for anyone that is just experiencing any sense of discomfort or trauma within their own lives, relationally or physically, mentally or emotionally. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister to them through your community. I pray that you would encourage us to support and carry one another. I thank you that you are making us one as you are one. I pray that we would be a beautiful garden of delight that you just love to come and be in. Form us into the church that you need us to be. We love you, Lord Jesus. We honour you as King in our lives. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Hey, if, um, oh, thank you. If you have not made that distinction that Jesus is King in your life yet, you've been coming for a little while or you've engaged in churches at different levels and you're not sure even what that means or how to make that first step of making Lord, the Lord Jesus your Lord, following Him. After the service, we always have a team that just hang around here. You can come and talk to any one of us, myself included. We can help you in that space. God bless you. Welcome again to anyone who joined us for the first time. I pray it wasn't too long and your kids are still alive and okay. And, um, and I look forward to seeing you in the coming weeks. God bless. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.